If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. This episode. For 45 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. We start off by talking about Justin's favorite subject ever. What's that? Macro Macros. tracking. Uh, yeah. He loves talking about the macro so tracking. So much fun. He gets yeah. sweaty right away. I know. He starts to get sweaty. It's like a greasy sweat. It's kind of hot yeah. in here. Don't look at me when you say yeah. greasy. I feel like that's racist. Hey. Uh, then we talked about Organifi Protein because uh, we started a contest to see uh, who can make the most changes, and we're trying to get in the right amount of protein. And Organifi provides that for us. We are sponsored by Organifi. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump, enter the code Mind Pump. We have negotiated a fat discount for Mind Pump listeners. Just for you. 20% off. Then we talked about our new LifeAid commercial. If you go to LifeAidBevCo.com forward slash Mind Pump, you can see that commercial with us. Mm. And... We negotiated another great deal for you guys. Hell a good deal. Two cans of any of their beverages, their Life Aid or Fit Aid or Party Aid or others, for 99 cents includes free shipping. We got the hookup for you guys. Boom. Then we talked about maintaining muscle and strength while aging. So as we get older, like how are we going to keep our bodies looking as pristine and awesome and sexy as they do now? Then we talked about wasted space in houses. We talked about the Dream Man Cave. That was fun. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a dirty movie. <laughs> and we talked about I'm bird, go spelunking. <laughs> bird chargers. Bird catchers. Bird catchers and bird chargers. That's bird catchers, Doug. Yeah, they're yeah. both, though. They call them chargers. It so says chargers right. in yeah. the he, he's article. right. Oh, look at that. Mm. Then we get into the questions. The first question was, as a trainer, how do you balance out what your client wants with what they really need? Because, you know, mm. you know better than they do. Be a professional. Tell them how stupid they are. Yeah, yeah it works every time. <laughs> Then the next question was, uh, can we explain how you're able to make a lot of money as a personal trainer? Like, what if this person this person wants to make deep six figures? How is that possible as a personal trainer? They're finding it very difficult. Uh, the first thing you need to do is stop sucking. Yeah. Next question was, uh, we I advocate personally longer fasts once in a while, but what are our opinions on the daily short fast, like a 16-hour fast every day? What's the difference? Long fast versus the daily short ones? What are the benefits? Which one should you do? Which one do we like? Is this trendy? Yep. And the fall, and the last question was, uh, you know, food choices are very important for overall body composition. But let's say you ate the same amount of calories and macros with a diet that was made up of whole natural foods versus one that was made up of processed foods. Which mm. one would lead to a better physique? Physique. You got to emphasize the geek. Physique. Also, this month, MAPS Anabolic. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Yeah, come Half on. off. I got terrible gun noises. Yeah. It's like pew, pew. You're 50% off MAPS Anabolic. Under 60 bucks, you can have the program that started all. It's actually the most popular MAPS program. I think we've sold the most uh, MAPS Anabolic over we anything have. else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super effective, especially if you want to speed up your metabolism. Look, if, you're a, if you have a damaged metabolism and you want to boost your metabolism, this is the program this I is recommend. Your recipe. If you uh, want to build muscle and strength, this is the program I recommend. If you have like some experience but not a lot of experience, and you want to try Maps programming, this is the program we recommend. Maps Anabolic, fifty percent off. Mindpumpmedia.com. We also have bundles on that site. Bundles are where we combine multiple Maps programs, put them together, and discount them. 
massively. For example, our super bundle is a year, a full year. That's 12 months, yeah. 365 days of fitness all planned out for you. You can find that bundle and the other bundles and the 50% off Maps Anabolic at mindpumpmedia.com. Do you know what just started? Blast wow. Me. The games. What? Let the games begin. The Ooh. games can have- Can we just call it the gains? The games have begun. The gains games. The contest to end all contests. <sighs> Who will win? I'm back. I think- uh, I'm here. I think this is going to be exciting. Here, bro. <laughs> I am here. Yeah. I, I am been, here. I'm present. I haven't been here for a while. Uh, you know, I went yeah. through my own little divorce for about eight months, dude. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Kind of uh, like that. Kind of like that. It's not that close. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's not, nothing like that. I would have rather done that. Yeah. Dude, mm. the contest what? is here, though. Yes. Have you bumped up your protein intake? What's going on? Have you started or are you waiting till we do the first weigh-in? Well, it's funny you went to that right away. Uh, have we already started? Yeah, dietary-wise and all that? I've been on point for well, I know. I know. 10 I'm years, just... but I'm just wondering what's <laughs> going just... on. Captain so, Consistency over there. I, you know, I, and I don't know if it's because I've done this so many times now, but I have a very methodical approach to getting into good shape. and. I, I just change one little thing and every single week I get a little bit better about something. Mm. And, you know, nutritionally, it's I'm not like I'm not even at the point right now where I'm hardcore tracking in fat secret. I just recently started tracking a little bit. And so what that what is a little bit of tracking in fat secret looks like? The only thing that I'm paying attention to right now is my protein intake. So it's funny you went that direction because and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But for me, I under I grossly under eat protein. If I do not, if I'm not paying attention to it and and going and and uh, you just don't want it. It's not that I don't want it. It's just that I'm a 220 pound guy, and two or three good size. Good, okay, an average serving of protein at a restaurant, unless you're getting like a fucking ribeye that's 14 or 16 ounces, yeah. which is, by the way, Ooh. rarely served. Okay, oh, yeah, that's true. Most steak servings, when you buy a- like eight a, ounces. Yeah, eight yeah, ounces. small. And eight ounces what is- are they feeding? Babies? <laughs> right? Yeah. Eight ounces is about 45, appetizer. 45 grams of protein. That's not a lot of protein. So yeah. if I had- Three steak meals in a day, it's still not enough protein for what I need for, for the training volume that I'm that I'm doing yeah, now. Yeah, because what are you what are you looking to hit? About two hundred yeah, to two ten? Two hundred is a nice so t- for me, I would I my goal is two hundred. Now if I fall a little short of that, I go a little over that, that's what so basically you're are you aiming for like four high protein, really high protein meals? Yeah, fifty grand. So think about that. Uh, so a, a steak dinner is still not enough for me. So I need to have a large steak dinner or get like the what you guys saw me eat yesterday when we were out at uh, I got a I got a uh, Caesar salad that I added chicken, which is when they add chicken, I know it's about four ounces. Mm -hmm. And then I got a steak meal, which I know is about eight ounces. So that's only 12 ounces of meat. But now that puts me more about 60 to 80 grams of protein for a meal. And I'm eating about three meals a day. Are you adding the shakes yet to try and get that up a little bit? So I use Organifi shakes when I don't hit my requirements. So if I don't hit my requirements- End of the day? End of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's like kind of how I finish my night off. So And this is where I'm using Fat Secrets. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the night- this is like uh, Katrina and I will be heading to bed. We're normally heading to bed somewhere between 7 and 10 p.m. 
And I'm always like going like, okay, do I need another meal? And then I'll, I'll lay right there in bed. I'll put start in adding things. Yep. Up. I'll start uh-huh. adding everything's up, everything up in fat secret. And if I'm, if I'm somewhere close to that 200 mark, I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm at 160, 180, even like not really like going to go get a shake. You don't want to go below 150. Right. For that, guy, for so, you. so for me, it's more like that, which very easily I can have two or three meals that are just standard four to eight ounce, you yeah. know, servings of meat. And so then, then I'm adding in the Organifi protein shake at the end of the mm-hmm. night. And then, it, and, I, and I'm just mixing it. I'm just sprinkling it on my steak. That's what I'm doing. I take oh, a scoop yeah, of, yeah, or, yeah. I just, I just <laughs> sprinkle it. That would like be optimizing. That would be yeah. so disgusting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It would be gross. I like, I the, wouldn't put it past you though. I like the Organifi shakes by themselves. They taste pretty goddamn good. I used to have the, I used to do the vegan protein. Remember, remember the ones I used to do all the time? Yeah. And uh, I can tolerate, Supplements that don't taste good for whatever reason, I have an incredible tolerance. Yeah, you don't even make like those faces like I make. Like, nah, yeah, you guys are babies about it. Yeah. I have no problem whatsoever. But now I'm spoiled with the Organifi shake because I had a, a plant protein one the other day because I was at Whole Foods and I saw this packet sample. Dude, it's like um, it's like chalk. Like yeah. the stuff that you used to use on the chalkboards, all you yeah, know, it does not sit right in my stomach. Yeah, like I drank it and then I was like. And powder came out my face. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, Justin, have you ever tracked to see what your macros are? Ever have you ever done that? I have. Yeah. What are your? What, what was it? What are your targets? What well, are you do? because like I was going pretty close to the one to one with protein, and then I would base off that and go, you know, higher fat, you know, percentage. Like so, that was something that I was like concerned with, and so yeah, my my carb intake is always really low, actually. So that, that was something that wasn't like, I actually have to get more carbohydrates. Like, you know, if I'm going to go for like a more balanced kind of a mm-hmm. macro profile. What, what, what do you, what were you hitting back way back in the early days of mind pump when you were doing your transformation thing? Do, were you, were you manipulating anything like looking at the numbers or was it off by feel? It was mainly by feel. I mean, I'm not like the super, you know, on point to be completely honest yeah. about like, like number tracking. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would set myself up as like a standard of based off of the meals mm-hmm. and then I would try and duplicate that. But then based off of my feel going into the workouts, like I would manipulate my carbs, especially, um, to, you know, make sure that my performance, like in the gym, like, cause I, I do feel a difference if like I'm really low, uh, and I'm, and I'm trying to like lift heavy weights, mm-hmm. like it really does affect me. So, um, that's really it. It's more from a performance basis of like how, like how you I, feel in the gym. How I feel in the gym Interesting. is how I do it. But yeah, if I, if I took Adam's approach, it would, I know it would change my, my composition. It's just a pain in the ass. It is. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm taking that upon myself to get better at that, like for this competition. And that's something that like, I know will, you know, add in. Don't ask Adam for advice though. I'm not, I'm not going to fuck, no, fuck Adam. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, screw that guy. I already learned everything I needed to know. I'm listening to you guys <laughs> talk about this shit for three years. You know what I'm saying? I just he's haven't. Gonna, I'm like, I'm like stubborn. You know gonna, what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't care. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I have so many things in my life I need to concentrate on, yeah. and, and that's not one of those things that has ever been. It makes a it makes a yeah, perfect balance for the show because, in reality, like if and I thought I saw somebody post this on Instagram the other day, and I thought it was a really good post, and they're like talking about like. They showed like a, a a very healthy body, you know. Here's a healthy, very very healthy person, mm-hmm. and they don't look v- like to, when you look at them, you wouldn't be like super impressed at all. You know, they 
They had carry- relatively lean, yeah, decent re- muscle. And when you say relatively lean, I think people still think like rip. Like no, like fourteen for a guy. It was like fourteen, fifteen percent body fat around that range. They were kind of soft looking. You know, they didn't look overly. There's muscular. a bit of an individual variance though, because for me, well, of course, for me, healthy's lower than that. I'm not like shredded, but health for me is a little bit. Yeah, but that's where I fall. And it's but al- some people fall a little higher. And it's also, it's I think it's also a moving target too, right? I don't think that. Uh, you know, being healthy is living sometimes in a deficit. Being healthy is sometimes living in a surplus, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that it's like a it, it kind of ebb and flow type of deal. But I think that what I love about that Justin doesn't give a fuck about that stuff very much, and he's not, you know, aesthetically driven, is that I think there's there's a very there's there's a lot of importance to that. Now, unfortunately, we would never be able to build a business without teaching people how to get ripped and shredded because yeah. people want to look a certain way. Well, the knowledge is good to have, even if you don't ever do it it's good to know right. what to do or how to manipulate things to get there and that's why i think too it's good to also you know like get out of your comfort zone if it's not something you give a shit yeah. about maybe like challenge yourself in that regard like it like i know a lot of people on this podcast probably don't give a fuck about like accomplishing performance feats you know or like there do, are a lot of people that do though there are a lot yeah. but there's there's a lot of people that don't like they just want to look better yeah is what i'm saying so you know, on that end of it, that's kind of like where my spectrum, like uh, that's that's really all I've ever cared about ever since I was a kid. So. The, be- the beauty of like competing and then taking it to the crazy level that I did as far as like measuring and tracking is it just gave me insight to how certain foods and habits that I, I had and how how they affected me positively and negatively. Mm. Like there's certain things that I would have probably said before. It's would, knowledge. Yeah, it, it gave me a whole... And well, especially the way you did it because a lot of people just follow their prescriptions and don't pay attention to anything. Right. They just do what they're told. I was consistently manipulating and changing right, right. always. Yeah, it was never eating the you same... Were, you were actually, you know, you were doing in, intuitive macro you know, targeting is what you were doing. <laughs> right, right. If you really think about it. Right. You know, because you're paying attention to all the signs and signals and realizing that, oh, if I get my macro profile to here, but I eat a lot of bars, I look different than if I don't eat a lot of bars mm-hmm. or if I eat this kind of carb versus that kind of carb, or if I drink this this much water versus, you know, that's kind of like intuitive macro counting. A lot of people just get macro targets. Mm-hmm. Then just, they just blindly like, this is what I need to do, even though they feel like shit or their bodies aren't right, right. You know, responding the way they want. So. That, so to me, that's the the biggest takeaway from, you know, going to that low of a body fat percentage and being so crazy to where you track everything. You know, I, I think I had a very, very healthy relationship with all of it. Like, and I was able to let go of it, like no big deal. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I just picked up my fat secret app for the first time in probably a year and a half, almost two years. And I know some competitors that they just, they freak out. They're either way off or way on and they need all these things. They need the weighing and measuring. They need the tracking in order to stay in shape where not me, because I connected a lot of like, oh, when I eat these types of foods, I tend to, it tends to kick up my cravings and then I make more bad choices yeah. and that leads to this. And if I'm, if I just sacrifice these things that I like, that it really helps me overall. Like, so I just learned a lot of little things like that that made a, a big difference. Yeah, I'm excited long-term. to see that how what the changes we can make. It's with six weeks we decided, right? Six yeah. week period. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. I think a six percent loss of body fat in six weeks is a very good, decent goal that I, I'd like to set for myself between five to seven percent. I don't want to push it too much because I, I, I might end up losing lean body mass and 
you know, pushing a little too difficult. I, I, I want to maintain some of my, even though the strength is not a p- parameter that we're m- manipulating. So I'm going to, I'll be honest with you guys. My strategy in this is not purely just to get ripped, to get shredded. Like, so this six weeks, I'm not going to be dieting like I would to get ready for a show because I still am building my physique back to where it was before. So I'm going to be using a lot of our techniques that we talk about, which is, uh, you know, in and out of our depth. So deficit surplus, deficit surplus. I won't be cutting for longer than about two weeks. I probably won't be bulking longer than about two weeks because I do care about lean body mass more than I care about reducing my body fat. Now, that being said, I, my goal is to lean out during these six weeks even more, but even more so I, I care about the lean body mass than anything else because I still would like to have more muscle on me than I have right now, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'd like to be stronger than what I am right now. So I'm still, as much as we're in a competition, I'm very much so still on my track of what I'm trying well, to do. Well, number one is I don't think anybody's going to compromise their own health and bodies. Yeah, you know well, I mean? that, that's the thing. I don't want to, because my entire goal this year, which I've already been chipping away at was to just bring my overall health you know way you know better like i to address things that i've been um fighting like chronically my whole life Mm -hmm. so i mean i'm already like chipping away at that and then like like sleep apnea is like the other part i'm really trying to avoid or you know recognize that maybe i do have a little bit of that and i need to address that and how can i do that nutritionally and Mm -hmm. how can i do that with um you know my my lifestyle habits are you gonna still eat cheese no you're not gonna eat cheese. No. I don't believe. Oh, forget that. it, bro. He's yeah. gonna win. Yeah, that's his. That's the problem, bro. I've already he I've, cuts cheese it's out. Like a secret. We're gonna. We're gonna. Secret I know weapon. we're gonna do. I, I, I yeah, Well, I subscribe to one of those like automatic cheese things that get sent here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so. Automatic cheese. <laughs> <laughs> cheese on command. Yeah, bro. Oh. We're gonna have cheese platters out. So all back time. in back in the day, this reminds me. Back it's in the day, fine, bro. I'm really. I am a really disciplined motherfucker. You guys. Like that's why I don't. He just treated it. it for butter, bro. <laughs> I saw him drinking the butter at breakfast yesterday. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Can I get more butter, please? Yeah. There's 14 packets on the table, bro. How many yeah. more do you need? Actually, so it's funny. We went to get coffee once, and I yeah. ate a pat of butter. Yeah. And Justin looked at me just fondly, like, oh, yeah, my, like that's oh, my boy. You're my, you're my guy. And he had some yeah. Year, years ago. Years ago, I was probably like 19 or 20. I was competing with my buddy Don, one of my good good friends, and we were trying to see who could get leaner, mm-hmm. and we would sabotage the fuck. <laughs> Like I would go to the like I'd go get food right I'd go get burritos and I'd be like all right what do you want and he's like all right I want you know chicken rice beans he trusted you, know. you to go oh get bro him food? I'd be like Fuck extra, that. I'd right. be like extra sour cream for <laughs> <laughs> or or would get sandwiches you know yeah. I'd be like can you put extra mayonnaise on his or I'd yeah. put like candy bars in his in his desk so we'd open his desk there'd be a candy bar right there. <laughs> It was fucking hilarious, dude. We fuck with each other so bad. Oh, or he'd be yeah. like, "Is this a diet coke? Because it tastes really sweet." I'd be like, "Oh no, no, it's, that's a diet." <laughs> oh, I'm gonna leave good and plenties all over the place for Adam. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, oh, it's, gonna oh, it's, be, gonna be, it's on, dude. It's gonna be so fun, dude. Jackie brought me these fucking Mike and Ike's. They've been sitting right next to me, bro, for months. Oh, I'm in a zone, yeah, brother. Bro, open. I'm in a fucking zone. I'm gonna open I, it. I'm gonna yeah. just I'll, I'll fucking it swim it. All I'll over. swim in good and plenties, bro. <laughs> swim it. Not even <laughs> tripping, dude. I don't even, won't even yeah, we'll hold see. my breath. There's, there's no a problem. Yeah, no yeah. problem, man. <laughs> once I once I said red velvet cakes. There's a reason this. why committed is tattooed on my forearm, bro. Yeah. Once I once I commit to something and say I'm gonna do something, it's game over for everybody. Bro, else. that's like that's like me saying like wearing a t-shirt that says I'm a badass. Like it doesn't mean you're a badass. Sure it does. Are it's the first it's the first step in that that's, direction. That's why I wear a tap it's out like shirt. People that, yeah. <laughs> Some people know. That's why I got a Superman <laughs> emblem tattoo. Because <laughs> that's who I am. Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's gonna be fun. Dude, how good did the the 
commercial do that uh, that video that we made. What was it for Life oh, Aid? Oh, for Life Aid. Fi- oh, yeah. We I so set up money. On IG now, right? Yeah, yeah, no. People can people can find it and go watch it. So, so money. It's on the landing page. You can actually watch. I know that. Oh yeah, that's right. Taylor put a, a teaser of it on the uh, Instagram page. Instagram page. Yeah. And then we all have. I know. I saw Justin did his his Insta Story commercial. I saw you did your. Yeah, so I'll just did his. Yeah. Did your. I still owe my Insta. I'm gonna get yelled at. By uh, Brianna here. So what's their promotion right now? You get two cans for ninety nine bucks, bro. I mean, so ninety nine cents. Excuse me, bro. Holy shit! (laughs) You get two two cans for ninety nine. Everybody's like, up. They're like, dollars. Like, nice commercial there, guys. It's a good deal. No, ninety nine cents for two cans plus free shipping. Free shipping. No, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really brilliant. With I mean, they lose money. That's nothing to get people to try it, which I think is cool. Yeah, the one that's a lot of confidence in your product. The one that I like the most is uh, the Party Aid. Yeah. I really like I li- the way- I, like, I really do like the Life Aid. That's why I was like, ah, but it's just the flavor. What I, exactly. What I like most about it is it tastes good and there's Life no and are my artificial favorite. flavors. Nothing artificial in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also super low calorie. Is it 45 calories? What I, what I think is really cool that they did is how, how they're making drinks for categories. I just mm-hmm. think that's really cool. Smart. Instead of just being like, but let's just overstimulate though. the fuck out of everybody for anybody who wants energy. It's like, okay, well. No, there's a lot of thought that went into Yeah, it. like, okay, this sport, this is what they're going to be looking for. Well, like for. Party oh, this- 8 has milk thistle, which helps your liver detoxify things, which if you're drinking a lot or partying, it's a good thing to have. There's 5-HTP, which helps replenish serotonin because after a, a you know heavy night of partying serotonin may be a little depleted so you may want to take some 5-HTP there's tyrosine in there which helps produce dopamine in the brain uh, they've got good ingredients in decent amounts um, and then there's no artificial sweeteners they taste good it's like 45 calories a can that's they've done it they've done it it's, that's I mean how hard is it to get us to work with a drink company you know yeah, what I mean yeah. almost impossible yeah. But you know the guy, what, what, they brought their stuff. We took a look at it. No, and I, I think we no, and we and we talked about Aaron last time. Like it, it's big for us. Like when we meet when we meet a CEO or owner of a company, I mean, if we like you and we like what mm-hmm. your your message and what they're doing and like where they're going, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. And of, you're a cool person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and we're, I mean, easy. yeah, we have, we're all tied together. I mean, they're they're big in the Spartan world now, and. You know, that's a, we're we're connected to that whole world and like what everything's going on there. So I I just like I like their message. I like what they're doing. I even love the way that they're marketing it like that. I mean, two cans for ninety nine cents. That's pretty dope. And get it. Mm-hmm. And and they do shipping. Not a lot of like ready to drink drinks are shipped like that. Mm-hmm. So there's it's not you can't. That's make even lot. better than I remember the days where you'd get like those Safeway Select you know version of like sodas and it was like a quarter you're like yeah because uh, yeah it reminded you of when things were were less expensive it just said cola <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cola you know what I mean Dr. Yeah. Uh, Becker it didn't or whatever even, it didn't even say grape on yeah. it it just said purple yeah. you know what I mean like, purple, purple drink yeah. I'll get the purple one that one's good hey what's your favorite flavor yeah. red uh, dude uh, I like so the red one so check out the title of this article that I read the other day skinny fat in older adults may predict dementia and Alzheimer's risk. So they're starting to find now, hmm. they're starting to find now that low muscle mass in combination with a lot of body fat is an important uh, predictor of whether or not you're going to have dementia and Alzheimer's. Now we've talked about this before where a lot of scientists or experts in the field of dementia and Alzheimer's are calling them type 3 diabetes. Type 3 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Now is this because your low muscle mass, so metabolism's going to be lower. The the average person's probably over-consuming. You're thinking inflammation in the brain also. I would think that's what- Your brain's, is. your your the insulin resistance, okay? Your body's inability to use insulin efficiently 
is a very strong predictor for uh, you know dementia and Alzheimer's. And there's nothing is a greater insurance or a better insurance against that than muscle mass. Sarcopenia, which is you know losing muscle mass or low mon- muscle mass, um, we've known for a long time is connected to. And, and the those reason things. the reason behind it is just simply though because you're 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 speeding your metabolism up by having a. A, a larger deban- demand and need for glucose because you have muscle mass, it, well, right? Mu- I mean, that's muscle just utilizes, more simply put. Yeah, right? and muscle you you know utilizes and stores some glycogen along with the liver. So having more muscle just makes you more sensitive to insulin. So the studies that I've looked up show that a ten percent increase in muscle mass all across the board will re- will reduce your diabetes risk by over twelve percent. Mm. So there's like a direct relationship. And I've been talking about this now Which, for when you, a little while. Ten percent, well, ten percent, two hundred pounds. That's twenty pounds. It's a lot. Yeah, it's but they're yeah, but they're talking about like across the board, people who already have diabetes, people who, have, who are old, people like everybody. When you look at healthy individuals, the percentage goes up even more. <clears throat> and here's the thing, like, and I've been talking about this for a long time. Build muscle, like in the context of modern life, more muscle is going to faster metabolism. Better insulin sensitivity. You get away with more when you have more muscle. And if you want to protect your brain, they're finding this is a a big one. I mean, look at the other tests that they're doing where they're testing people and showing that a grip test or your ability to just stand up off the floor that by themselves are good predictors of all-cause mortality Mm -hmm. later on life. Like they'll they'll take people and they don't have to test anything else and they'll test their grip strength. And if you're weak... Or if you can't get up off the floor without helping yourself with a chair or something, you know that that's been that's like a, a life goal for me that is to never to lose that. Obviously, at one point in my life, I will eventually lose it. So to keep maintain that as long as possible is the ability to get up off the ground with no hands. Oh, just your legs mm-hmm. floating. Just being able yeah. <laughs> no to, to, in order to have the the core strength and hip Some mobility shit. to do that. I mean, it's not it's not as easy as it may sound. I mean, there a lot of people probably listening to the show actually might not even be able to do that without well, putting yeah. your hands on the ground and pushing up. Well, most people like, good know luck. what the tests are. The tests let you use your hands. I know. You just can't grab yeah, onto things. Yeah, I, that's yeah. the average test for right. fucking everybody and fat people. You want one with I'm fit people? Yeah, right. For I, I agree. For, for me personally, yeah. I've set a goal for myself to. Be able to get it. So I'm always practicing different ways of getting right, it like too. N- from the 90-90 position yeah. or from the kneel. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a cool thing to test yourself and to see, can I get up off the ground without using any hands? I mean, obviously, if you can't do it w- with hands, you can't do it without it. So, But I think that's a, a cool goal to have. And a good gauge to realize, like, oh shit, when that starts getting tough, like this is not a good. This is I need. Mm-hmm. I need work. My so for me, I've thought about that myself, and for me, I, one of my goals is to be always for most of my life to be able to squat my body weight or and deadlift one and a half times my body weight. Now they're not huge. That's not a huge goal, right? That'd be a three hundred pound deadlift in a two hundred pound squat. But I think if I'm seventy five years old and I can do that. You know, I'm, I think I'm kicking ass. And I think it's realistic if I stay consistent because mm-hmm. I've trained people in that age group who've been consistent training. And that's a that's something that's totally achievable. I've trained, you know, like I said, I, I client who's 77 now, I think. I haven't trained him in a long time. But I know he can do those things and he's been working out for his whole life. I wonder what the strongest client, old client I've had that squatting and deadlifting wise. I'm trying to think of that right yeah. now. Mm, what's the strongest client you've ever trained? Have you ever trained a client stronger than you? Yeah. In areas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really? What's, oh, the, what's the biggest lift you guys have ever? Uh, I don't think I've ever trained anybody who can out deadlift me or out squat me, which is not that impressive because somebody would just have to be able to squat more than about a 450 pound squat and deadlift more than 550 pounds. 
but I, I don't think I've had a client that can do either of those. But I've definitely had people who can overhead press me and and chest press better than me. Mm. So I've had clients. Well, that, I've had squat and deadlift, and I mean I've trained, trained like O linemen. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's mm. yeah, there was a lot of body mass, but the the ratio I think. You know, if you went like body weight to, to strength ratio, like I think that uh, we could have been comparable, but like it's, it was ridiculous. Cause like yeah, I'm training like 350, almost 400 pound guys like I've trained before. So um, putting up, you know, crazy numbers like 500 pounds. Yeah, I've, I've never, I haven't trained, I, I didn't train a lot of athletes. So it wasn't very, very common. Doug was well, it's the, not very common to train athletes, period. No, no not it's not. And it, 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 it was very short-lived, too. I think people are surprised yeah. by that. As it, I think There's as, windows you have them. Yeah, I think That's people, actually a mistake I think a lot of trainers make. No, yeah, I thought so. I thought when I got into training, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be training all kinds oh, of athletes. I, I wanted to be a special... I wanted to specialize in just training athletes. And that's what's funny. Totally stupid, right? Well, yeah, because like <laughs> it comes up on the show all the time that like, like that's my background. But like, it, yeah, it is, but I, I would literally see them for maybe like a couple months out of the year and that was it yeah you know and then i just basically give them a protocol to keep repeating but like yeah it's they're terrible like it's a terrible business strategy to have like everything focused just on athletes unless mm -hmm. you're like right next to like you know a facility where you know you're training all of the pro athletes yeah you know it's funny nowadays uh, like a, a 500 pound plus deadlift in a in a decent gym isn't super impressive. It wasn't that long ago where I would put five plates on the bar and pull it off the floor and everybody in the gym would freak out because nobody deadlifted. Yeah. But now you see, you're starting to see more people. kind of makes me yeah. sad a little it's bit. It's crazy how much I... <laughs> I did. I used you to used to, to be just so unique. Bro, yeah. I used to go to Gold's because uh, I'm not a massive guy, so I'd go in no, there... I never and saw I, you know, deadlifting. I'd weigh, yeah, I'd weigh, you know, 195, right? I'd go in them lean or whatever, but I'm not like this huge dude. And I'd put five, over five plates on the bar and I'd pull it up and... Have trainers and bodybuilders will come up to be like, oh, fuck, man, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah. But it's because nobody deadlifted. Now I'm starting to see, I don't see it super common, but you still you see strong strong dudes pulling five plates. Oh, a six-plate deadlift is rare. Yeah. yeah, that's still rare. That's still pretty I rare. I think it's pretty rare to even see anybody pulling over four or five plates, dude. It's not that. It's Anytime I put that weight on, I, I tend to get looks. You know, people mm -hmm. are paying attention. If you're, pulling, if you're pulling over 400 pounds and working out, you're working out, right? Mm -hmm. You don't look like a yeah. guy who's coming in. Well, to, now for me, it's like, okay, like, uh, are they going to full depth? You know, then that's another thing. Like yeah. You see somebody like putting that kind of weight on and they're going through a full range mm -hmm. of motion rep. I'm fucking impressed. My goal, I want to be able to pull six plates again this year. That's my goal, to be able to pull six off the floor, which is what, 585? My goal is to not give myself strength goals this year. Mm, just go. go straight without them. Yeah, well, what I did for a good part of Mind Pump when we first came on board here was I was heavily focused on strength. You got and, swept in. And I did, I did. I, and I, I because I'm so competitive, and, and more even more so with myself, you know, I, I always raz and say that I was trying to chase Sal and stuff like that, but I'm very competitive with myself and watching myself increase strength, increase strength. It was a new thing for you. You hadn't done it in yeah, a long time. Yeah, well, I never, I had never trained singles, doubles, and triples. That mm -hmm. was never in my training routine. Like six reps was like the floor for me. That's mm -hmm. as low as I ever went. And even then it was like I did it like in small cycles to break the hypertrophy type training up all the time. So to actually train like purely strength training and power for, you know, months and months and months. It caused a lot of problems for me, man. And I am actually part of like the whole Achilles thing and the testosterone thing and kind of losing all the muscle I lost. And, you just want and to take care of your body. I do. I want to feel good, man. Mm -hmm. And I and some of the best I ever felt was when I was kind of competing and training very bodybuilder-esque. And so now that's not to say I'm not still going to... Well, ever now you're going to combine it with mobility. That's the difference. Well, that, and that's what I've done so far. I mean, one yeah. of the things that's kind of crazy right now is... Uh, 
My squat strength is nowhere near what it was when I was at my peak. But I mean, I'm back to working out with three plates with depth, like mm-hmm. r- like depth, pausing, uh, control all the way at the bottom. Excellent. So I, it's the best I've ever felt. And the funny part is I was a guy who avoided squats for a very long time because of my low back and my my low back has never felt so good but it's taken you know it's all the mobility stuff it's taking a long yeah i'm 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 i will not do an alternate grip ever again on dead i Mm. got too comfortable with the same side alternate grip Mm -hmm. and now it's just a hook grip well it makes no sense now that you i mean the way i've still been practicing it dude i just terrible at it i'm gonna have to do it with you and see i've pulled how much have i pulled double overhand 545 i think i pulled yeah bro if you're pulling over five plates man with 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 hook grip it takes time to get used to dude and i'm still not as i still don't i'm not as secure as I would be with an alternate grip. Did, I, although I don't know. I haven't gone past five, like the mid-fives yet or the low mid-fives. You know what I did? And I hadn't done this in a long time. I just did this like last week. I broke the weight belt and the squat shoes out. And I squatted. Oh, my God. Mm. Dude, after all the work I've done on mobility and, and being at the floor strength-wise and working my way back. Felt with, like butter. Oh, easy work, dude. I was like, oh, I could see where I could get addicted to wanting to use it all the time mm-hmm. to that because it's, I struggled so much to get back to squatting three plates with that kind of depth. And then I threw the belt on it. I mean, I went from like a single 315 was kind of rough for me like a couple mm-hmm. weeks before that mm-hmm. to five reps of 315 like just coming up. Oh, well, wow. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I never got into, you know, the weight belt. and um, But I what I did get into was the wrist wraps for doing um, power cleans. Oh my God, that was so much easier. Oh, of course. <laughs> I remember just like well, putting up speed. numbers that were they're crazy. That's speed and power, man. Yeah. I mean, you you, uh, you be, eliminate one big humongous factor. People talk about needing grip. a strong grip for deadlift, but you fucking rip away fast. Yeah, and it's heavy. It's everything. Yeah, that'll fuck your shit up real yeah. quick. That's yeah. very very difficult. So I did the. I'm in the phase two. I just started phase two of split. And I did the first leg workout in phase two. And let me tell you something. Fuck me. <laughs> wow. Those guys who, who made that. Well, huh? it, was, it starts off with a, you do a three sets of supersets of leg extensions to leg curls. Now, I don't have a leg extension and leg curl machine. This was a favorite of mine. So right? so sissy I do, squats instead. I did sissy yeah. squats and leg curls on the physio ball. Superset, superset, superset. Did three of those. Then I went to squats uh, and I was doing sets of 12 with just 225. Nothing crazy. But it's fucking exhausting. First off, I hate anything over five reps, so it's just exhausting. Yeah. Plus, after doing those supersets where my legs were already pumped, that was pretty gnarly. That was a nice little, uh, nice little pump. And then I was doing the hip thrust, which I never do. So now I'm doing hip thrust, and uh, my butt is growing. I think you know that's the one I still move. Still refuse to do those. Yeah, it's yeah. I threw them in there a while back and started getting into it. It's kind it. of a pain in the ass to get in, get in. Too. And I yeah. still feel like a chick. Yeah. Do you really? I just feel yeah, like a chick just, doing it. Feel not, not like a woman. Just, <laughs> it's just put not. your heels on. And, and I know lift. I great, great value. I mean, for a girl who's trying to build her butt, and there's nothing to say. I mean, a guy who wants to build his butt, why not? What but. I won't do is post my hip thrust PRs. I think that's stupid. <laughs> that's such a <laughs> stupid exercise that? to post PRs. Oh, like, come on, stop it. Yeah, nobody cares. Oh yeah. man, it's a, squat it, bench press. It's a thing right now. It's a thing right now in the in the. You know, I mean, yeah, it's impressive. Okay, I can see you're doing a lot of weight, but it's a hip thrust. 
Like show, show us a squat Impressive, or something. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? it's, it's like, like doing a PR for a, like a leg press. It's like doing it's a the curl. Same fucking yeah, thing. To look me. at my PR for curls. Like yeah. nobody cares. You know uh, nobody saying? ever what cares. Nobody cares what you can hit thrust. No. Good for you. <laughs> do some deadlifts or something. Yeah, you're, gonna, you're gonna break your girlfriend. Yeah. Man. Hey, look at my leg, look at my leg extensions, guys. I can do the whole. Maybe that's, I, I would agree with you. I mean, that's how I feel about them. I feel like nothing wrong with doing them. I think yeah, everybody just don't show off like it's it's not like show off material. Yeah, it's it it's just not. It doesn't feel like something you can brag about. Like imagine if I came to work, I'm like, you guys are gonna die on this bro. contest. I'm gonna beat you guys. Well, what's going on, Sal? Like, eh. I did fucking three like, plates. Uh, eh, three, yeah, three plates. What overhead press? Like that's crazy. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Three plates. Three plates on the hip thrust. Oh, you yeah. guys would beat me up and uh, kick me out of my. I, I'm thrusted. Yeah. You guys aren't thrusting. I'm thrusted. It's a good analogy though, because you're you're right. If it was like a bicep curl, it'd be pretty funny to, to talk about bicep curl PRs. Exactly. It's lame. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. I have a really fucking strong reverse curl. That's the truth. I can reverse curl more than almost anybody. I yeah. post some pictures yeah. of that nobody's shit. Nobody's ever cared. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody's ever cared. You know? <laughs> 125 pound reverse curl. No. Yeah. Get the hell yeah. out of my face with that shit. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, yeah. Dude, I. So you know what was crazy? We were talking about this on the on the plane on the way over here from L.A. Um, you want to talk about a disruptive technology that is just shaking shit up so crazy, and I love watching it. Is these fucking scooter companies? Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Bird and what's the other one? Lime or what's yeah. it called? Lime yeah. and Bird. Those Dude. are the two big heavy hitters. Uber so, Uber just infused three hundred million dollars. Three hundred million serious money in going the line. Yeah, they're now valued valued over four hundred million. Both those Bro, companies. Bro, I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, we are witnessing the beginning. It's Lyft and Uber all of over a again. transportation revolution. This is the beginning of it. The second self driving cars kind of becomes more of a thing with with Uber. And you have these little scooters. It's going to eliminate all need for public transportation for car everything. I'm telling everything. you, I stand by my theory that this this next car that I buy will be the last car that I buy. Man, probably it's good. we got Elon Musk digging tunnels underneath us. We got scooters popping up all over the place. Uber and Lyft is so cheap. Yeah. I really believe I'm that. Waiting for my hoverboard. Not far from now, we're going to have, and you already have like these zip cars and share share ride things Dude. where you can have if you want that. I think. I think most families in the future are going to own Dude. one vehicle. Yep. And then you'll think about it this way: how much, share everything. how much Use money on demand, how much money, time, and e of the economy is tied up. And what I mean by tied up is it's not efficient versus what it's going to be. Hmm. Tied up in just in cars. How much money do you spend on people spend on car payments, gas, insurance? How much of the space of their home is dedicated to parking? How much shit is dedicated to parking out any everywhere? Like, you know how much space is dedicated just to parking your car and shit? Right. Like, when you eliminate all of that, that is going to free up so much resources. People don't realize that is going to be an explosion in economics because we've just changed. It's going to fundamentally change everything. Yeah. It's I'm, crazy. I'm a little bummed, too, though. I'm a, I like cars. I like cool cars. Yeah. I'm a cool car guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I can already even see how it's not that cool anymore. No. Yeah. Like, I used to get all the time, every vehicle I've ever owned. Oh, I, I had all the magazines. You remember, just like look yeah. through them. You're like, oh my God, check out this car. Every vehicle I've owned, well, I take that back. The Toyota Corolla I didn't trick out. Every other vehicle besides <laughs> the Corolla that I bought, I've always tricked out. Yeah. And I put a K N filter on my, uh, my Jetta. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. 
But I, I remember just not that, some gas not money. that long ago. You know, I go to a gas station or go anywhere. And, oh man, that's a cool ride. That's a cool ride. Nobody gives a fuck anymore, no. bro. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. In anymore. fact, I think it's it, it, at some point you might be like an asshole. Like, yeah. oh, what are you You're doing? You're gonna be that guy with like a Hummer. Yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. With remember that? how like that completely declined in like a social weight? You know, yeah. everybody's just well, like, oh. This asshole. Yeah, or the Escalade or whatever. Yeah, it's not like that you're just that anymore. guy. Yeah. No, it's not anymore. No. I, it's a bummer, though, because I like that stuff. I do yeah. like it. it yeah. It's You know why? Because it goes up there with, okay, so I look at, and I've said this before, I think, a long time ago on the podcast. It's like expressing like, yourself. Well, it is, right? It's like kind of like dressing a certain way. But it's also something that I spend a good portion of my life in. You know, mm. Going back to the Jordan Peterson thing, right? When you look at the things that you do a lot, like I spend a lot of time in my car, so I want to really fucking like it. Yeah. I want to like the way I feel in it. I like the way I want to feel how comfortable it is. I like the, how it rides, the way it looks. Talking to somebody about this, and they were talking about bathrooms and like how they like yep. some people like trick out their bathroom. Like yep. They put like thousands of dollars into their bathroom well, just you're because in there of that all simple time. fact. Yeah, especially Justin, he's in there. All <laughs> <laughs> I know I should have the most like, high performance one out there on the like market. Fifteen percent of his life. Yeah. I I do. I mean, I've been talking about how I've been house shopping for quite some time now, and even like the things that like I look at now are different than what I used to look at because I think of the spaces in my house that I use way more than other That's spaces. It. That's like, it. Right, like the kitchen for example like 10 years the ago most important right i wouldn't even think about having like a big big open kitchen with all kinds of countertop and space yep. and like kitchen but, bed toilet right those three areas Boom. and then the, probably set. your fourth one and it's a distant Ooh, fourth is like a little living room, room tv room yeah, whatever that's and, about it though and and really all the other rooms are just they get underutilized so trying they to don't find get a, utilized at all right yeah. that's why like in, in my place there's space for your kitchen table and then like a dining room table and I'm like, and Jessica's like, why? We have, we're just gonna eat in one place. And I never thought of it that way. I'm like, uh-huh. I guess you're right. So we turned it into like a little study with like two, you know, where we can read and stuff because well, we actually use it. Yeah, I kind of, I do kind of like. I don't use this room very often, but I turned it into an office. But I just like to get in there and I just like have that. It's my own space. Yeah. You know, it's almost like I can like clear my thoughts and kind of like even if I'm not doing anything, I just like to sit in there by myself. Oh, my final house will have a man cave that I can hide yeah. from Katrina. It, in fact, it, I want to have it built nice. and her not there and have it hidden so she doesn't even know it's it'll, it'll be like a it'll secret be a, yes. you to open the bookcase yes. just to get yes. access to it. Yeah. What's like, going to be in your man cave? <sighs> wow. Is it unlimited how big it is and how rich I am? Yeah, let's have fun with this. Oh, What's in your sweet. man cave? Okay. Oh my God. I want a pool table. Yeah. Okay. Fuck I, yeah. I want also. I'm. A, I love shuffleboard. Okay. So yeah. that means it's got to be really long because yeah. those things are really long tables. Okay. So I want a pool table, a shuffleboard, two or three of my favorite video games, a dartboard, mm. card table, a massive TV, overly massive, super comfy, lazy boy chair. I like, mean, like, like a theater. Not, not, not like no, that. This is just me. I know. Yeah. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys are invited. So okay, you, can, right, you guys right. can. I'll, we can all fit in the Like, I want to have a good boy. seat. Like, make sure you yeah, get you one know, for me. Multiple lazy boys. There. Yeah. But three, I, there's mine three is, or four max. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mine though is the the most important one mm. that I'll spend the most time. I mean, that's about. Uh, you know, I want a bar. Mm. It's got to be mm. a dope ass mm. bar in there. Um, man, I think I covered most of the things. That's that's. My man cave will be a, the gym that I that I build in my dream home. It'll be the sickest gym. I'll have mats for jujitsu. I want a steam sauna, cold dip. Whoa, whoa, whoa. do I not get that? Because that's all priority all, for me, dude. That's yeah. not part of my man cave. That's man part cave, of the house. Yeah, man, because there, my girl will be allowed in the gym. She's not allowed in this place. Mm. Oh, this is no girls allowed. Yeah, that's a man yeah, cave. Yeah. Just man. A gym is a gym. My girl is allowed to work out in the gym, and yeah. she should be able to use Sal that has facility. No boundaries. She has no yeah. business in the man cave. Mm. There's no reason that yeah. she needs to go in there whatsoever, which means I don't want anything 
that she would potentially want. Like she doesn't, she don't give a fuck about shuffleboard. She don't care about darts. No. She don't care about a she pool table. Care about Arnold movies. Yeah, she doesn't care <laughs> about those things. <laughs> you know, Arnold yeah. and John Glad Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Swimsuit posters. She don't care about any. Oh, of them. you're gonna you're gonna do shit out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, but they have like to be old a, 1970s porn. Yeah, throwback, bro. Yeah. Yeah. 80s yeah, throwback. Yeah, washing a fucking Ferrari. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like some so, fucking what's her name? Kathy Ireland poster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kathy Ireland was everywhere back in the day. That she was. Oh dude. man. Little yeah. Cindy Crawford, a little throwback yeah, there, a little dude. bit of that. Yeah, you can't have a gym in your man. No, cave, bro, I'm but. definitely having a like a sick like wood bar, like 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 a pub looking like ambiance, and then yeah. like stools and everything, and uh, definitely like some kind of a theater that's like small but like you know, like a huge like screening. We could watch like epic fucking sci-fi movies. Yeah, and then like lots of Star Wars like, figurines, like barbecue, like like some kind of like like smoke smoker you know uh-huh. like there down there like maybe like on the outside i can have access to that you know <laughs> and then but yeah like games like I, I i'd totally be into um like video games like some kind of like old arcade games like gauntlet and uh fuck i only need one game street fighter street fighter street fighter is the one man street yeah. fighter. We, we still have yet to play street fighter because i know i could beat you guys no you character. did you beat us when we were playing somewhere oh yeah oh, did, that yeah. was in austin i did yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you did win yeah, yeah you got your ass kicked in yes. darts but you did win in darts that. yeah did i lose in darts but yes. see it was uh, like it was like the marvel versus street fighter so oh would you do the kind of tainted yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no no, <laughs> no, whatever. Yo, oh, you know what? I so forgot? I'll give you that because so you, you don't have like a real man cave. You, you just, guys are hitting it. It would kind of be similar to what you guys are saying. Well, you yeah. you just bar. Come just I want on. a smoke room. I would definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. smoker jackets. Yeah, I want. I want those. You want? You want? <laughs> you know the dull jackets. And you know, only you have everybody. All my friends. Yeah, want. but it's like a special club. Yeah, you, know? you have your initials, uh, you know, embroidered on it. Yeah, yeah. But you have big humidor just full of pre-roll joints. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. How cool yeah. is that? You guys come over. That would yeah. be so rad. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming over. All separated by like indica, sativa, and hybrids. You see, that's oh, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mine would have like Smart. all the terpenes. Yeah. Eat and your heart out, Snoop. Calculated. Yeah. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Uh, but you know what else I forgot? I learned the other day. Oh, in a jam room. I forgot about that. What's a, uh, a jam room? What's yeah, jam? With drums and guitars. Oh, like, like, like super, you, you like where I could get yeah, fucking loud as hell. You thought you were like strawberry jam? Yeah, I'm just gonna be jamming. <laughs> no, you know what I forgot? You're a jammer. You know what I forgot, <laughs> Justin? Adam, Adam, Adam told me this the other day. Do you know yeah. how they collect the the scooters? Uh, with a truck? No. You didn't know this either? Blew my mind. Tell them. Bird hunters. What? <clears throat> they call them bird hunters. Like people that are just It's like they're contractors. contractors. Yeah. They're not hired. They they. It's just like, you know how any, almost anybody can be an Uber, right? Anybody can be a Lyft driver, Uber driver. The same. Yeah. Anybody can be a bird catcher. Anybody can go collect these birds. Bird and you catchers. get paid per fucking Hilarious. scooter that you collect. Yeah. So they don't even have to do shit. That's Somebody smart. else does it for them. You know what, Doug? You should Google this because we were talking. How much does yeah, a- that's going to get out of control. How much does a bird collector scooter, so put in parentheses scooter, so how much does a bird, bird parentheses scooter collector, collector get paid? Yeah, I, I, Bro, I this, this, so they do that and then they bring it to a designated location and then once they drop it off there, it like sends them some kind of money kickback or what? How's that work? I'm sure it's the same way you get charged. You get you can get paid, right? Hmm. Say so I, I don't. I've never I've never done Uber or Lyft. I would imagine that it works the same way. Hmm. I would imagine the same way you get paid for doing rides because you don't automate. It doesn't. I don't think it automatically. I think it's built up an account like PayPal or something, and then you can transfer money. Well, that's smart in terms of. You know, providing it's like brilliant. yeah, somebody uh, else to make money dude, off that process. You know what this dude, the, the, this new market is doing? It's it's creating jobs. 
It's that fucking are, the government. I love it's, it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's creating yeah. all Fuck these, you guys all trying to put regulation on yeah. everything that we do. They can't regulate it. They, no. It comes out too fast. Everybody likes it. Good luck now. Yeah. You can't do it now. That, they're going to try to regulate it now. Sure. But good luck doing that. The complaints are, oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be littered oh, everywhere. Wow. You know, like. This guy, so this guy wrote a story on it. He says, based on my own experience and from talking with other chargers, you can easily make 20 to $30 per hour working for Bird. Damn, oh. dude, that's good. That's good. Dude, yeah. I, imagine if you're a college kid. Take that, lazy assholes that yeah. complain. Well, what I'm saying about this, you have some autonomy, so you have your own freedom to collect these things. That's the same article I picked up. Like, this is this is awesome. Yeah. This is so fucking awesome. That's the thing. There's so many opportunities. Like, it, it, It's just like, it's frustrating, you know? Like, I, That's why it's like, dude, dude. it's great that, that it's there. It's like, come on, now people okay. like- do it. Twenty to thirty dollars an hour. Go back to our time when we were 16, 17 years old. What do you think that computes to? Ten dollars? Maybe. About that? Maybe ten dollars. Right? Oh, yeah, with inflation yeah. a lot. Yeah. Right, right. Ten to fifteen ten to fifteen dollars an hour. I if I'm I could make it in that. high school. Fuck uh, yeah. Bro, well, I was making four I was walking dogs was for like fifty four, cents. I was making four fifty and I worked my so way. I'm like well, the oldest man ever. Well, look at it this way. First of all, the barrier to do this, the barrier to enter this market to collect birds, I would assume is low in the sense you don't need to have tons of experience. Of course you can't be like a a maniac or a felon, but I'm yeah. pretty sure most people can sign up for this. Then it's up to you. Where are you going to make 20, 30 bucks an hour yeah. with no fucking experience? Well, hasn't, that's great. Haven't they shown with the iGen and you read in the book about like how they're they're more incentivized by like real jobs like that? Like they're 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 going for those types of things that they know they can make money right now doing. Yeah, no, they're they're the i generation is more money motivated than the millennials yeah. were. Right. Millennials were more purpose driven. Yeah, and yeah. iGen more the world. And well, shit. the yeah. way I look at it is, if I was a if I was a kid and I was entrepreneur minded like I am, right? Like I'm 19, 20. I want to start a business. I would, all over this. I would be doing this in of Uber course. because it's flexible. You do it whenever you want. You way better than you need selling books. And then on your own, you just you can go and build your business. Like this is a beautiful market, mm-hmm. and I think this is brilliant from from companies like Bird, where they just they don't even have to collect their own freaking scooters. They just pay people to do it. Well, for there's them. A, there's a lot of people, my uncle included. We talk to him all the time, right? Casey always thinks he thinks that we're about to see a 10 year run right now, at least of a good time for the economy. A rise well, in the economy. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, because a couple things that can screw us is the 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 the, the crash of the dollar, or the um, the crash of the dollar, or our debt. The, our that. debt could start to fuck us because now we're, our debt is climbing at such a ridiculous yeah. rate. China that start wants to, to collect, yeah. right? Well, yeah, so. Bit- Bitcoin might save us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin to the rescue! Come save us. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from KDog883. Yo, okay, dog. As trainers, can Ooh, you talk whoop. about how to balance your clients' wants with what they really need? Ooh, that's a good question. This is this is one of the things that separates a great trainer from just a good trainer. Mm, I agree with you on that. Big. This is one of the main things I would say, right? Because a good trainer can give the client what they want all day long, and a, a client comes in and wants hard workouts, wants exciting workouts, wants ver- lots of variety. So they're providing good service in terms of how the client perceives right. it. Right. A great trainer uh, is an excellent communicator and is able to get their client to understand 
that what they really want are the things that they really need and they can start to follow them along. It's like, like it's, it's like being a teacher and getting your students to be able to, to get the work done and get homework done versus getting them passionate about the subject. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah. Right? Like like you could be really a good buy in. You could be a good teacher and get your classroom and all your students to do the homework, pass the class and do what it takes to get by because you're a whatever, right? right. But if you're really really good, you can create this uh, you can create these guys and girls in your classroom to be passionate about the subject that you're teaching. I feel the same way about personal training and I think it's probably a similar type of feel that you have to kind of go through with these people. And I always remember, like, I remember when I had start off, and this is always challenging with someone who's, like, really stubborn. Like, because this mm-hmm. happens as a trainer. You definitely get somebody who's, like, tells you what they want. Right. Because they're paying you. You know, they're paying you a good amount of money, and they're like, I know what I need. I know what I want. And you know right away, I'm like, oh, shit, okay, there's going to be have to have to be some compromise made right. that I'm on my end and their end. Because some trainers, and a lot of the, like, the really smart ones, this is the, the challenge I'd have with leading and managing these guys and girls, is that... They know that's not what's best for them, and so then they would end up arguing with mm-hmm. the client, and then not selling the deal, like not closing. So they don't the, want to come back, right? So that we can't, we, you can't close the deal because you're not agreeing with them, and they're the ones paying you. And so there is this compromise of, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of would get used to saying, yeah, 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 we can do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We could do that. Like I'll consider that. And then when when you start their training with them, sometimes I would be training them kind of like they wanted when we first started, even though I knew that I was going to take them somewhere else. But it's you got to kind of you get to plant these seeds along the way, right? We should give some examples. Like yeah. here's a good example. I get a client who is coming to see me, they hire me cuz they want to lose, you know, 40 pounds of body fat. But after, you know, some examination, I noticed that they're they're they have a slow metabolism, that they don't have much strength or muscle mass, and that they've been overworking and dieting for a long period of time. So I have two options here. One option is do I elicit immediate weight loss, which would mean increase their activity and cut their calories even more? Or do I do the right thing, which is build some muscle, speed up their metabolism and reverse diet them a little bit? Because I know in the long term, that's a way better approach than just cutting their calories and having them burn more calories. So this this is a, a communication thing. This is you for two things. First off, as a trainer, you got to be confident when you talk to your client. Remember, they're coming to you and hiring you for a reason. So when you're sitting there talking to your client, you need to tell them in very in a very confident way, like, look, okay, we can do this two different ways. I can do this the fast way or I can do this the right way. Now, do you want to get in shape and be in shape and not have to worry about this anymore for the rest of your life? Do you want this to be something that we do permanent? Or do you want to just lose this weight and then probably gain it back later on? Do you want to damage your metabolism? Do you want to slow it down? And inevitably, they'd say, very rarely would they say they want to damage metabolism. They'd say something like, okay, I want to do this the right way. And then I'd say, okay, let me explain to you what happens to the body. And I want you, you've already paid me this much money. You've already paid me $1,000 or whatever. I want you to trust me and trust the process. I've done this many, many times. We need to speed up your metabolism. Here's what the process is going to look like. Here's what you can expect. And map it out for them. Because it's really difficult to deal with the situation as it happens. It's much easier to deal with it when you've predicted it. Like if I tell a client, for the next four weeks, we're going to see strength gains. You're going to see energy gains. You're going to feel better. And I should be able to get your calories up by about 300 calories at the end of this you know, four-week period but you're not going to lose any weight on the scale, but you may lose a little bit of body fat when I do a body fat caliper test. So that's what I want you to expect. 
Now it's not a problem when we get there. But if I don't say that and I do this process, you know what's going to happen at the end of four weeks? Why haven't I lost any weight? Why, is, why am I not losing weight? Why am I not getting smaller? What's going on? Tell them what to expect and tell them why and tell them what is going on with their bodies the entire time you're doing it with them. Predict. Give them those predictions. Here's what you're going to feel. Your appetite's actually going to increase. Why am my appetite going to go up? Well, your metabolism is going is going to get faster. And so as your metabolism gets faster, your body's going to get you to try to eat more food. You know, you know what else you can expect? Uh, you're going to be sleeping better. You should be expecting to start sleeping better here within the next couple of weeks. It really makes it a lot easier when you make these predictions. Plus, you look like a fucking prophet when you do this. I mean, when you say this to your clients and it actually comes true, mm-hmm. they're going to trust and believe what you said about later on when you tell them, don't worry three months from now or four, you know, between three, and I would give people a range, between three to five months is when I think we'll really start to tackle the fat loss. And that's when it's really going to start happening. Then they'll start to trust you because they're already seeing all the other things that you've predicted. They're already seeing all the the small changes that you said are going to happen. They've seen that they can increase their calories or that they've gotten stronger. You have to do that and you have to be confident with that and, and gain their trust because otherwise you're fucked. Otherwise, all the client's going to want is sore. I want to get sore mm-hmm. and I want to sweat a lot and I want to see the scale move every single week. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to hire this trainer over here who's going to do exactly what I tell them because they right. they're, not, they're not as good right. as you are. It's kind of like breaking up with a girlfriend. What? Mm. It's kind of like breaking up with a girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you... You're wanting to uh, get your point across or break up, and and you're also at the same time too because you know you're breaking up and you're probably breaking her heart. You don't want to offend her, so I always found like when I'm trying to tell a client like they're doing something wrong or that's the wrong idea or wrong thought process. If you come straight at it and you're like, you know that's wrong or you're stupid, they automatically put a wall up, and then they might not sell personal training. So you got to kind of like. Give them examples. Of yeah, like other would, people. Yeah, like so. I would talk, yeah. even though I'm talking Tell them a story. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah stories about other totally people, yeah. right. Like so, I'm I'm really talking to you, but I'm not right. I'm saying yeah. I would say like, you know, so let's use your example or, or like what we get a lot, right? Which is the client comes in and they're like they want to get hammered, and you and they say that at the very beginning. So I just kind of yeah, 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 deaf ear it, and then go on talking about our training, our program, everything we're gonna do. And then while we're in the training and we're going, you know, we're getting after and stuff like that. I'm like, man, yeah. So many of my clients, you know, they come in, they they want this, and I'm talking about them, but I'm talking about them as if they're like everybody else, you know. Like I all are all these clients that I always get, like the number one mistakes that they make. Like so, I'm really attacking all the things that I know they want and their 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 thought process and how wrong it is by talking about uh, by overgeneralizing it as if everybody does it because then it makes them feel like. Okay, I'm not You're an not idiot. Singling them right. out. I'm not singling yeah. them out. I'm not pointing out all their flaws. They're an idiot. They're wrong, and then it turns into me and you and a wrong or right mm-hmm. thing. It's a, like this is a, you know, it's a it's a me, not you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really a, me. It's not yeah, me. right. This is you know a lot of people struggle with this, and you know I think that's because of this. And so I would talk to them like that, and I felt like if I could just keep planting those seeds. Yeah. Uh, indirectly, they would they would start to put, piece it together. Yeah. You're like, but what I found really worked well with Susie, right? Was rest, right? Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. No, th- I think that. Like, oh, really? Right. So yeah. I, I think that is worked really well for me. Is in, otherwise, what would happen? And I think what happens to a lot of and this to me, this is most common with my smart trainers. Like so. Trainers that, uh, this is why sometimes it's easier to be a guy or a girl getting into training and you don't know a lot because at least then you go like, you know what? 
I'm not sure about that. Let me ask my boss, like, if that's a good idea. Then you, if you have the, if you're okay with being the trainer who can do things like that, I think that's a great strategy, and they're more open to that. It's the really smart guys and girls that know almost too much or get in their own way right here is because they know like they understand the science so well this client wants what's wrong they know it's wrong and so they want to tell them because that's their own insecurity sort of put them in their place right they want to be smart turns people off totally turns people off they care more about being the right trainer and being smart mm-hmm. by so they end up debating or arguing or telling telling the client that what they want is not what they really want and that's not a smart approach by it so a better approach is to kind of lead them to the right answer by maybe sharing stories or examples of other clients that also think this way too, which is totally common. I think doctors do a really good job of this, right? Mm -hmm. If you ever walked into a doctor's office and you have something or something's happened to you that you're scared about, like you you did something that you've never done before, you're really nervous and scared, like am I going to be forever not be able to walk again? Like, no, 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 listen, it's okay. You know, this happens to a lot of people just like you that play this sport or this happens. Like, this is the process that we go about. So making them feel like it's very normal, the thought process that they're having, and that it's, even though it's normal, doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right path. You and, and you don't even have to tell them they're wrong necessarily. First off, right. if, you, if you set the stage early, you, you're not going to really run into this as much. I, I see this, this, would, this was a problem when I didn't set the stage right. Like, when we got into training already and the client already has these you know assumptions because I wasn't clear but if I was really clear early on like when a client came and hired me right away and said here's my goal this is what I want to do I want a super intense hard workout or I want to lose weight or whatever I'd say no problem we can definitely do that let me tell you about the most effective way to do that and then I would explain it to them and here's what's going to happen here here's when it's going to happen there I've trained lots of people in the same situation this is how long it takes them to get their progress but now they've got these great results this is why a parkour a good parkour is a huge you asset explain what a parkour is cuz so, a lot of people don't know so a basic parkour and you can get these if you're a uh, pri- private trainer I'm sure they're online they are online yeah. i printed one on when i when i was private training and stuff so a good part and you can create your own and i recommend that as you continue to do this like you start building your own you know, great like sal was saying to piggyback off of that Man, when you get really good at this, you can already predict mm-hmm. what that person is going to want and what it's what's wrong about it, and you can present the right answer to them before they can even come up with that. So, in other words, like a good parkour might have a question in there that says, you know, how serious are you about your goals? One to ten. Ten. I'm really serious. Well, why are you that serious? Okay, well, I'm tired of feeling this way and I'll do whatever it takes. You know, how often can you work out? Seven days a week. You know, and they they start answering all these questions and I'm going like, okay, this person is like super motivated right now. They're willing to work seven days a week. So I can already tell you right now that a mistake that this person might make is coming balls to the wall right away. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. while I'm talking to them about training and again, using the overgeneralization thing that I would do is be like, you know, a lot of clients, they come to me and they're super motivated. They've been out of shape for a long time and they decide they're going to come in here and they're going to work out really hard. And it's actually one of the biggest mistakes that they could make because what they don't realize, and then I go into my whole spiel of doing as little as possible to elicit change. But what's great is I'd never ask them, how do you want to be trained or do you want to be pushed harder? I realized that, okay, by the way this person's answering the questions and by the what they're telling me about their goals and their commitment level and how serious they are and what they're willing to do, mm-hmm. I know that this person might lean to this. And then I on the flip, I also know people that are like, uh, one of the questions might be, how many days per week can you commit? And they circle like one or two. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, you know, what's kept you from getting in shape in the past? Oh, 
really busy, four kids, I work a lot, like I don't know if I could commit to that much time. So this person I know is it's gonna they're if they're gonna object to me, it's gonna be about their busy lifestyle and stuff. So then I'm gonna I I spiel I used to say is like this, like I get this a lot with a lot of my moms. You know, they they spend their whole life and their you know, most or most of their life they've spent you know, making sure that their kid's okay and their husband's okay and taking care of the house and everybody, When as a mother, you tend to put everybody else before yourself. And then what ends up happening is, you know, Susie doesn't take care of herself with her, her physical needs and what she needs emotionally. And one of the things that I always tell my clients is like, if you're going to make this change for yourself, you need to be a higher priority. And what you're going to find out is when you make yourself the number one priority, you're going to be a better version of all the, the, the you're going to be a better mother, you're going to be a better partner, you're going to be a better worker, you're going to be a better all those things once you learn to put yourself as a number one priority. And it's really crazy, but this happens and it's really common and it happens a lot mm-hmm. to my So, you know, you start to pick up on things and, and common objections and common habits of types of people. And if you have a really good par cue, you can start to curate that. And so then when you go to explain to them what you're going to be doing, you can overcome a lot of these mm. obstacles before they even hit you. Yeah. you if, if, you're a, if you're a trainer and you don't spend a lot of time on mastering the art of communication, you're making a, a massive mistake. I mean, uh, and this was the big, this was one of the big differences between the successful trainers and non-successful ones is, you know, a lot of trainers know a lot of things about exercise. They know proper mechanics. They know correctional exercise. They know good movements and decent programming, at least on an individual basis. But the ones that didn't understand how to communicate well, it's tough to be successful because to be really successful, you have to help people change fundamental behaviors. And in order to do that, you have to be able to really communicate them really, really well. Otherwise, it it doesn't matter what knowledge you have and how much information you have. If you can't communicate well, you're going to have a tough time. So I would say, you know, Focus, really make it a, a goal of yours to practice these conversational skills and how you approach these things. Um, it'll make you a much more successful trainer. Next question is from Dude What Yes. Hmm? Can you guys explain how you were able to make so much money as personal trainers? I love being a personal trainer, but it seems almost impossible to make that amount of money. What am I missing? Oh boy. You know, there's a there's there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to talk about answering this question, but I I I do want to say that as a personal trainer, you kind of have two main routes that you can take. One route is the high volume low dollar per unit route, which is classes or lots of clients, lots of people, maybe online coaching where you've got lots of people. The other route is the low volume, high dollar per unit route, which would be, I'm only training one-on-one. I only have five clients a day, but they're all paying me 150 or $200 an hour. And both of those are independent trainer type pursuits versus like a, a corporate trainer that's under, right. you know, like a they get paid only a certain amount per hour mm-hmm. and they get a paycheck. And, and so that was something too, that even in that environment, there's a way to maximize your paycheck. And this is something we went through quite a bit when I was working with Adam, uh, just based off of like, you know, okay, how many, how many appointments do I have to take? How many, um, people do I have to to talk to? How many, like, it, it's all a numbers game and it's, it's about like really understanding that and being able to right. see the difference of that based off of like how you set yourself up. Right. And you got to figure out what your strengths are. Like if you're a, a really organized individual and you understand how to scale a high volume business, 
then the high volume, low dollar route can be a very lucrative way to do it. I know people who do this where they manage lots of lots of clients online and they make a lot of money doing it. Now, me personally, I don't like working with a ton of people. I would prefer to work with less mm-hmm. and charge more per client. Mm-hmm. So as a trainer, Same here. this is what I did. You know, I, I'd have clients that, towards the end of my career, and this is before Mind Pump, right? So this is before I had the the authority, that the social authority, if you will, that Mind Pump now provides me. So this is when I was just a local trainer. Towards the end of my career, I was, you know, I could charge it at my top end about $150 a session, which is a pretty good amount uh, for a personal trainer, even in the Bay Area. And I wouldn't, I, I would train, you know, seven people a day would be kind of where I'd want to keep myself. And I, I, I'd rather do that because I like focusing on one person. I like training that one person. I like being able to work with everything with that individual. And I'm also not super organized. So scaling, you know, 60, 70, 100 clients online to me would have been just a, a nightmare because I don't, uh, like I said, I would have had to hire somebody to help me with that segment uh, of the business. So I think those are kind of the two directions you want to look like, look at and figure those out for yourself. Now, if you go the, the low volume, high dollar amount, um, you got to be a really fucking good trainer. You got to be mm-hmm. an excellent trainer with very good communication skills. And most of the clients you're going to get who are going to pay you that much are referral. And plus, you're going to be worried a lot more about competition at that, you know, with that mentality versus like, for me, it was always about finding my own uh, opportunities, my own blue water, if you will, as far as like what is not being serviced, like what that clientele looks like. How can I be different than everybody else? So that way, um, basically, I can create my own sort of brand, my own uh, following. And uh, I was really drawn more to a couple different business models I'd saw out there from like one or two trainers that were catering to a more um, exclusive, like their whole thing was about exclusivity and uh, finding like pro athletes or finding like executives or people that were more affluent. And I was always wondering like, how do you actually get those types of clients? Because it's, it's something that I know, like based off of environment, a lot of times, you know, proximity, if you're around people enough, you'll end up getting, you know, uh, more of that type of a client, but to really pursue that took a lot of strategy, took a lot of risk and, and, and money to, you know, uh, go in that direction while simultaneously taking on whatever clients I could. But I really built up my business to a point where I invested. I invested in the marketing strategy. I invested in the idea of catering and building more value out of my own business to to appeal to somebody that was looking for you know more service out, out of the experience. And so I just built my business around the experience mm. of training with me. And uh, that that paid off after a few months of just really, um, you know, focusing my attention in that direction. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's you really have to like understand um, who it is that you're trying to service, like what they what they actually want, what that client actually wants, how to find them, how to market to them, um, and just really dig into yeah, that. I business. would say finding the first few high paying clients is the hardest. Once you find the first few and you're really good. At what you do, they tend to refer you exactly people in their in that same. And you got to be confident that you you're able to yeah. provide that type of service and find your niche. Like I, you know, my niche was I liked working with advanced age, um, so I did really well there, and uh, I liked because I, I I'm very technical with how I talk about things and you know the way I present training. I did very well with the medical community, so I started training 
one doctor. And then the next thing you know, I started training another doctor. And before you knew it, you know, because they all know each other, I had all these clients that were surgeons and doctors and, you know, anesthesiologists. And then they would also refer me their patients. And so then it became, you know, my business was kind of, you know, self-sustaining from that standpoint. But the other thing too, is when you're doing the low volume approach, you better provide a shit shit ton of service. Right. Like you got to have good ass service. That means like it's never, this is a silly thing that I even have to bring this up, but that means you don't show up late for your sessions. You look very professional. Mm-hmm. I always wore a uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I would bring people water when the, with their workouts. I'd bring them a towel. Um, I was very flexible with our training. You know, when people would come in, if they were tired, we did different things or I'd meet them other places because they're paying me a high amount, you know, mm-hmm. per session. I think that first of all, I'd like to know what he, what he thinks is an impossible amount of money to make because- I think maybe being realistic. There's a lot of mastermind groups out there that are being posted all over Instagram that are a bunch of bullshit. Um, there's not a lot of trainers making seven figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't even think there's a lot of trainers making six figures. I think the average trainer makes somewhere between 50 and 150. Now, there's outliers on both sides, right? There's people that are broke as fuck making 10 grand a year trying to be a personal trainer. And there are some people that are making seven figures, but most of the people that are making really, really good millions of dollars, right? Have been doing this for a really long time and are, are pretty, pretty smart businessmen and women. And they have multiple businesses typically. Right. And multiple streams, right. Yeah. That are, that are providing that type of an income. I think though, personally right now, it's a really cool time to try and build a personal training business. And, and I think it's, easier to scale than it than it's ever been with the accessibility of you know your clients virtually because that would that that game didn't exist 15 when we started so all new ground right if i was rebuilding now and i've now i've had the pleasure of being able to teach group classes i've also done online online coaching then i've also done high-end one-on-one training and i would absolutely do all three of those so if, if mind pump blew up i was a brand new trainer just trying to figure my way out and I had all the, the same resources that this person has. Um, I would be building an online basis where I do coaching, which uh, doesn't require a lot of my time. I could coach people all over the world, and that's kind of a a some. And I started the coaching online at two fifty, and then I worked my way up to five hundred dollars a month. So I would be competitive in that, and then refine that skill. So you've got anyway, and that's you you can realistically manage by yourself with no good systems with. No, I mean, just an average person, I think, can manage 15 to 20 clients or so doing that very realistically. I think more more people can do it. Once I got above 25, I, I found myself kind of giving a disservice to people. And that's just because I wasn't really organized about it and I didn't put a really good system in place and I was running multiple businesses. But I think you can make okay money doing that. Um, I love, I, I 100% agree with Sal and Justin. I think uh, the private one-on-one strategy is is definitely higher end clients paying high dollar and training less people than high volume there otherwise that's a major hustle and grind and i've done both like i've lived on the other side of like the hustle and that's how i started as a personal trainer where i had to work 10 12 hours every single day to make six figures as a personal trainer uh and then i worked my way up to where i could train for high dollar and 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 small uh, lower volume and then i would do classes uh, and not so much boot camp. I would have a modified version of that, which is kind of what I finished up doing. I would use things like Eldoa and you know Maps Prime and Prime Pro as a, a tool to teach class settings, where I'd be charging people anywhere from ten to twenty-five dollars a visit, or have like a monthly 
um, you know, fee that they pay and they can go to X amount of classes. And then I would teach classes. So I would teach classes. I would run private training and I do coaching online. And I know I could probably make somewhere between 150 and $200,000 a year, uh, pretty comfortably, uh, and, and realistically running those three things as a business. So I think that there, there is lots of money to be made if you're okay with that kind of money. Now, if you have ambitions to be a millionaire and you're wanting to do it through personal training, that's, well, that's tough. Well, buckle up. You know, mm-hmm. it's taken us 20 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it, 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 just because Mind Pump has only been around for three, you, the Mind Pump would never exist if it wasn't for the 15 years prior to that that the three of us had all put in. And the fact that it's taken all three of us combined to build a business that's worth over seven figures. So I think it is very important that you're realistic about your goal and you got to be careful of what's being marketed to you right now because mm-hmm. I see it all over. Instagram right now with all the mastermind groups and find out how to be a seven figure trainer. So they like, get the fuck uh, out of here. They're teaching you how to create your own masterminds. That's yeah, that's what they're doing. It's that's what it is. It's a lot of it's turned into like an, an MLM. MLM hustle. And you know who makes the most money on MLMs? The people at the fucking top. The ones who started it. Right. Yeah. So that to me is uh, those are kind of unrealistic for a brand new trainer, but you can definitely make I think six it's, figures. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's realistic for somebody who's you know works hard and is diligent and, mm-hmm. and conscientious and you know, relatively intelligent, you should be able to make a decent six-figure income as a personal trainer. And, and I, I want to point out too, which you guys went a different direction in this question because I wanted everyone to kind of share their, their personal journey because we're all really different on why I think we we're successful or how we became successful and in, in, into six-figure plus personal trainers. And me, a lot of that had nothing to do with my training ability. Like it could have been any job the way I look at it. It was my work ethic. Um, I was willing to do things that most people weren't willing to do. And I know it sounds cliche to say that, but what I see a lot today are trainers and people like, oh, well, I want to work Monday through Friday and I'd like to do a, you know, you know, the schedule that I want. Yeah, this is the schedule that I want. (laughs) And we're in a service business. If you're in a service business, you're at the mercy of your clientele. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your first, your big millionaire client that you're waiting to get your big break may be a 5 a.m.er. Yeah. And you hate getting up at 5 a.m. So you so miss shit. you miss out on that because you've said you only want to work six to four or whatever your schedule is. Or the guy who's or the guy or girl who potentially could be your other million dollar client is wants to train at 9 p.m. at night because uh, they're they uh, work crazy hours. Dude, yeah. one of the one I was a, so true, man. I was a maniac like that though. I, I, I had the same thing, and especially to cater to, to uh, if I want to build this value that I'm like portraying online, and I know my competition. It wasn't willing to do a lot of, you know, those type of hours, the 5 a.m.s, the, you know, meet at their house and, and 9 p.m. You I know, do multiple like- times a week where I'm like, I'm taking over the recovery end of it. And like we're, we're stretching. I'm going shopping with them for, for their food. And we're just, I'm just getting like super involved. Yeah. And uh, nobody was doing that. And so like that's, that's what it took to then, you know, spread the word. And this has became a thing that like I differentiate. One of the fat, one of the easiest predictors I used to I used to see this. One of the easiest predictors of whether or not a trainer will be successful or not. I'd have a trainer come up to me, you know. I'd say, "Oh, you know, how did your assessment with so and so go?" And I knew that the person was wealthy and wanted to hire a trainer. Be like, "Oh, it just you know they want to work out at 
6 a.m. and you know I don't want to work that early in the morning or they want to come at 8 p.m. and it's too late for me and I'd look at them and I knew in my head I'd be like well you're not going to succeed yeah you're not going to yeah. make it like that's you're starting off and you want to be successful yeah. and you're already turning business down yeah, no yeah. you have to do all that yeah like, like, eventually you can you know determine yeah. right. things go be go go nine to five somewhere else you know because this isn't going to and gonna that takes it. time it took me it took me a solid year of taking anything and everything that Every meant day. Saturday that meant Sunday that meant 4 a.m. that meant 10 p.m. that meant in the middle of the fucking day that meant Oh, all those times. The hardest thing that I that had, took everybody. the hardest, the thing that I always struggled with as a trainer early on was the ability to keep myself in primo shape and be a very successful trainer. Oh. That's because I became, in order to be very financially successful, I sacrificed myself and my training time to make money and to build my business. And mm -hmm. so that was the real juggle was learning. And I never let myself completely go as a trainer, but I wasn't in my best shape. And I had, I didn't learn that balance until later on in my career. But that was because of the, the work ethic thing. I think that a lot of trainers get into the profession because, oh, I get the flexibility and I get to help people. And it's mm. like, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's romantic. Yeah. And if you yeah. want if you want that and you're not, not a real you're not a money motivated person, then then there's nothing wrong with being an awesome trainer, very flexible, love to train clients and make 40, 50 grand a year. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to make millions of dollars, you gotta you gotta I mean, I don't know one millionaire that that will sit in front of me and tell me that they didn't grind. I yeah. mean, and didn't work. You got to go through the fire, man. Yeah. You got to go through the fire. It's not, it's on the other end of that. Right. Unless they're like a trust fund baby or something. Next question is from Aristotle Daphnis. I know you guys advocate longer fasts once in a while, but I'm curious as to your opinion on daily or frequent intermittent fasting. I personally do a daily 16 hour fast and love it. I've got my best results in terms of leanness and overall body composition, and it allows me to be a lot more flexible with my diet. I, I firmly believe that that occasional long fasts are superior to the daily yeah. short fasts. I've been saying that since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, but, well, I mean, it's- I got sucked into this trap, though, to be fair with him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, it, it is, like, it's a new thing, and you realize, like, how effective it is, and you don't have to worry as much about- um, you know, like what you're eating as much because you're fasting and, and it's, it's keeping you relatively lean, but you know, at, inevitably this is going to come to a halt. Like this is going to come to a point where it's not benefiting you the same way it was. Well, look at you. If you, if you like it and it works for you and you're happy with your body composition, then fucking keep doing it. Yeah. But if you're looking for change, just pay attention to and it. And you've been doing that for a long time, you've now optimized. You're not adapting anymore. Just think mm -hmm. of it just like the way we talk about training. And this is why I this is was when we first started talking about intermittent fasting, this is the the knock that I had on it was I felt, you know what, most people were already not eating for 12 hours. The people that that gravitate towards the warrior fast, 16-hour fast every single day, we're already kind of doing it. And then now they're just kind of resisting for four more yeah, hours. Like, I never ate breakfast. I was like, cool, now I don't have to. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think that is enough change to elicit a lot of change in their body for body composition reasons. Now, if that helps you make the great right food choices, you have found a, a good balance nutritionally, you are getting all the nutrients that your body needs, it works for you, then fucking don't mess with it. It's fine. Well, back in the day when, when I was first became a personal trainer, it was far more common for a client to skip meals than anything. I, I would get a new client and they'd skip meals. And so my goal was to get them to don't skip meals. Make sure you... Now, I was under the false premise that... Yeah, I'd eat every few hours because that was the best thing to do. Right. But, mo I mean, honestly, most clients would come to us, right. right? And they would skip meals. And here they are 
overweight, bad health, and all that stuff. Now, from a science perspective, when we look at the benefits of fasting, the the real amazing benefits really start to happen at close to 24 hours, right around 24 hours. And then 48 and 72 hours, you see some incredible benefits in terms of cell autophagy, you know, program cell death or, uh, you know, stem cell stimulation and all that stuff. It's incredible. The other thing here, there's another thing that I want to talk about here, and that's, you know, many times I get clients who are, you know, high stress, too much cortisol probably, or cortisol resistance or HPA axis dysfunction. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their metabolism is kind of slow. They're overworking themselves. I typically make these people eat. Yeah. Regularly. I yeah. make I make sure they don't fast on a daily fast you know. is not going to benefit that type of a person. No, if anything, it might actually be a detriment. Yeah. Now, what I will do is I'll recommend a infrequent fast. So I'll say to them, okay, once every two months, we're going to do a 24 to 48 hour fast. And this is only for healthy people. I want to be clear, by the way. You need to be a healthy individual if you're going to do this. And I, yeah, I need to say this for just for liability reasons. Check with your doctor. But I'll recommend it every couple months. Do a 24 to 48 hour fast or a 72 hour fast if they're experienced. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get all the benefits. Now, personally speaking, okay, I'm just talking about for me now. This is my own anecdote. For a long time, I did a pretty close to 24 hour fast every single day. So every single day, I would eat once or maybe twice a day, and I'd have one big big meal at the end of the day. And this is what I did for a very long time. Now it benefited me because it helped me with my gut health because I had less inflammation because I didn't eat all day long or whatever. But, you know, after a while, I mean, I just kind of got used to it and, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And, you know, it didn't didn't give me the benefits that I see now with this, you know, I do a 48 hour fast or 72 hour fast once a month. I get way better benefits uh, from doing it that way. In the context of evolution, if we look at how humans probably ate, you know, what did we do when we had food? We ate it. You know, people didn't say like, oh, it's it's not time to eat. I don't even really I'm think of it as an evolutionary thing as much as just interrupting the process. Like nothing is more of a bigger interrupt interruption to the process than somebody who eats every single day or every few hours than to go three days without food sure. versus someone who was already, none of us are eating for eight hours at least because we're asleep, right? So most people aren't eating for at least and then most people don't get up and shovel food right away. So most people are not eating for 10 to 12 hours anyway. So four more hours of not eating not is probably not giving your body huge no. benefits. And, and the reason why I'm bringing up the evolutionary you know, component is because the, the whole reason why the human body seemed to thrive off of fasts is because we evolved in that context where you know, we either had food and when we had food, we ate it. Nobody was storing food. We didn't have refrigerators. Nobody was saying... Oh, I'm not going to eat right now. It's not time or whatever. If you had food, you ate it and you probably ate it until it was gone. And then when it was gone, you were out trying to find more food. And that could be 10 hours. It could be 15 hours. It could be 24 hours. It could be 72 hours before you make your next kill or you find your plant or whatever that you're going to eat. So in that, when we look at it from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense to have these kind of longer fasts every once in a while and maybe a short fast here and there. Like, you know, although I do a 48 hour, 72 hour fast once a month, I will throw in a 18 to 20 hour, four hour fast in between every once in a while. I just kind of listen to my body and see how it feels. But what's happening with fasting was, is, was one of my biggest fears. And that's that fasting now, even in the question, right? In terms of my leanness and body composition, one of my biggest fears was that fasting would be turned into the next 
you know, diet trend. Mm-hmm. And first off, it's not a trend. Not eating has been how people have lost weight forever, right? <laughs> like this is how people have always lost weight. And if you don't eat for long enough, and that's the way that you like to lose weight, there's another term for that. We used to call it anorexia. So I don't think, I never think fasting is a great way to try to lose weight right. at all. I think fasting can be a great way to learn, to relearn your, your relationship to food as so long as your relationship to food is not starving yourself. Right. If you're someone that starves yourself, I'm not going to tell you to fast. Like I'm not going to get a recovering anorexic and I'm going to tell them, oh, we're going to start your diet off by doing a 72-hour fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the wrong thing. But I will take somebody who's been bodybuilding or training for a long time and eating you know, five, six times a day. That's the person- Just to assimilate food better. Yeah. And, yeah. To go through that whole process. But yeah, to look at it more as a health-promoting practice is is such a better mentality. And I mean, it does. It, it, it does so many good things if you use it the right way, but you could definitely abuse it. Absolutely. All right. Our next question is from Cal Burton. I know your food choices are an important aspect of changing your overall body mass, but do they also affect body composition? For example, if the amount of calories is the same, will eating a cleaner diet lead to a better physique? So it's kind of a weird question, and I think what they're asking is— Lane Norton would love is this it, question. Yeah, is it, calorie, is it just calories in and macros that matter, or does the types of food— In other words, if we have two diets, identical macros, identical calories— but one side is made up of more whole, natural, nutrient-dense food, and the other one's made up of more processed you know, type foods, which one is going to be better? Now, here's, here's the question. And I, this, I love this debate because, mm. yes, we have studies showing that, oh, they're probably the same, this, that, and the other. First of all, short, those studies are short. Second of all, here's the, here's the important thing. Does the types of food, independent of macros and calories, so forget macros and calories, do different types of foods affect different systems in the body like neurotransmitter production, inflammation, inflammation. hormones. Mm-hmm. Do they? The answer is yes. Nobody will debate that they don't. Now the next question is do all of those things can all of those things play a role in body composition, how much fat you have, how much muscle you have and how well you progress? The answer again is yes. So I do not subscribe to the calories a you know, calorie is a calorie. A calorie is a calorie, right. and that no. it's just about macros and calories. I don't subscribe to that. Now, here's the thing that someone like Lane Norton will not debate me on, and he'll agree with me. And that part he'll probably debate, but here's the thing that he'll probably agree with me on. It's that some foods, even though they have the same macros, are going to promote a different feeling. You may get more hungry. You may have better energy levels. You may have indigestion or whatever. All of those things play roles in how well you can do on your nutrition plan. So although you may eat two different foods with the same exact macro profile, if the food on the right is the one that makes you hungry or makes you feel like shit, that going with that option is probably going to be worse for you in the long term because it may promote overeating, it may promote less activity, it may it's going to make things more difficult for you. And that's typically where I leave it with those two. Well, in the grand scheme of things, I think that we we are splitting hairs in the difference. But I do think, like as far as body composition, like if we're just straight up body composition, you have two people, and I use myself as an example here because this I did this for a show, uh, and I think you mentioned this the other day, Sal. Is when I I did shows where I use protein bars and shakes like throughout the whole process, and then I did shows where I ate all whole natural foods, but kept the macros pretty much the same, and I could I looked different. I didn't look the same. I, what, what you call that? The bro answer would be I was less sharp. You know, I looked what whatever, right? 
but I know that I looked at I could I could look at myself not only how I looked but then and how I felt how my body was holding water too, and say like I definitely looked better on holes and I noticed that it was easier to follow the diet when I was eating whole foods versus when I was using things in a wrapper. Mm-hmm. Whenever I would eat a Quest bar, which I would love, always promoted me to want another one and another one. Because they're hyper palatable. Yes. It's designed to do that. Right. And it's convenient as fuck, right? Like those those things all play a, it play a role. And so if you're if you were as dialed as I was where you you will not budge from your plan and you're gonna stick right to your macros throwing in a protein bar here and there instead of having a one cup of rice and chicken breast instead is it going to make a huge difference on your body overall body composition no but i guarantee you having the whole foods will be easier for you to sustain and follow the program than it would be eating something that's artificial and designed to hijack your palate and i and there's things that i think that we don't know yet I think there's a lot of th- when you start talking about your your microbiome, your gut, your gut flora, and what could potentially be going on with some of these artificial sweeteners and the fake food that we eat a lot that we're comparing to, because that's pretty much what we're doing right now, right? Is we're comparing food that's engineered versus food that is whole if the macros are the same, right? Mm-hmm. If I were to eat 500 calories of Quest bars versus 500 calories of steak, steaks and steak, potato and vegetables, if the macros are the same, am I going to see the same body composition change? Yeah, pretty for the most part, you will. But there's a lot of other things that could be potentially going on that will make it easier or harder for you. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's funny. I bet you if you took a group of people who wanted to lose weight and you told them nothing else, you didn't tell them to cut their food or eat less or eat more or do anything else. All you did was say, all you can eat are whole natural foods and you have to eliminate all processed foods out of your diet. I bet you, on average, you would see a weight loss. Well, I this, bet you anything. This is why- the- Not because the foods are necessarily healthier, although they are, but because processed foods are designed to make you eat more. They Just like Adam said, they, they hijack your systems of satiety. I love using this example. If I took 2,000 calories worth of plain white boiled potato with no salt, no butter, nothing, and Good I put luck. that in front of you. Good luck even finishing it. You, you wouldn't be able to finish it all. You'd gag. You'd be sick of it. But I could do the same thing with potato chips, and you'd eat the fuck out of that real fast. I could eat 2,000 calories worth of potato chips in 10 minutes, and that's the difference. And so you know, whole natural foods, it makes things a lot easier. Now, on the other side of that, are they typically healthier? Yep, they are also. Typically, not always. You can definitely have whole natural foods that are not as healthy as a, a processed food, but it's much more difficult, much more rare. And I guarantee, and I know that most of the money spent on the processed food that you're eating has to do with making and it this as is palatable also, as possible. This is also taking in what we know right now, and we don't know everything. We still don't know everything, and we and so that to me is all. There's this other side to this that I feel like we keep learning more and more about this shit that, oh, that may not be good. I mean, what, just 10, 15 years ago, everybody was on the artificial sweetener kick because it would save calories. But now look where we're at with that. Who knows where we're going to be at in the next five to 10 years? You know, and where are we at with the red dyes and things like yeah. that? I mean, we keep finding out more and more stuff. About and the way I feel, because I've been doing this for so long, it's like, you know, like you can't go wrong if it's whole natural foods like that you definitely can't go wrong i shouldn't say that you can't go it's harder wrong. to go wrong yeah right? it's much more difficult and i this used to be a challenge i used to have clients when they'd ask me like oh you're gonna write me this specific diet or tell me what to eat i'd be like listen if if you can eat all whole natural foods go to go to town and just keep track of it let me know 
And I'll, and then from there I can adjust it. You'll be surprised if you just don't open it out of a fucking wrapper, out of a can or a box. Good luck. Here's how you know. Here's how you know. I love doing this with clients. They'll be eating all whole natural foods, and then they'll tell me like, "Oh fuck, man, I'm, I'm you know I'm hungry." And I'll just be like, "Go ahead and eat more." And they'll be like, "Well, I don't want, I don't want the foods that you know I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm craving." Yeah, you're craving. They're you're craving a, a processed food. Yeah, I've done this myself. Where I'll eat like a, a, a right. full meal with like steak and maybe some rice and some vegetables, just a whole, again, whole natural food. You still foods. want like chips or Exactly. At the end of it, I'll be like, oh, I'm kind of hungry, but I definitely don't want to eat the food that I just ate. I don't want to eat more of that. No. I want to have the box of whatever is in the cupboard or the, the, you know, the thing that's in the freezer because that's, you know, again, that's what they're designed to do. So oh, we, we just ate yesterday together and we were eating at the hotel that we stayed at. I ordered a chicken Caesar salad and I ordered a hanger steak with vegetables and uh, the hanger steak came with potato fries. And so I ate everything and I was like, except for the potato fries until, and I told myself like, oh, let me, I'm going to eat all, cover everything I need. And then if I still want something at the end, and I was actually stuffed. Like I was, did not want any more food. In fact, I didn't even finish. I finished the, the protein and the chicken and, and the salad, but I didn't even finish all of the salad. And I barely got the last bit of my hanger stick in. And I wanted to taste the potato. Fry. So I took the fry, I dip in the ketchup, and I eat it. Oh, then you're like, you go, I want more. Right. Then I, then I eat a second one. Then yeah. I eat a third one. Yep. And then I realized like, whoa, I, I, I had to force myself even to have one because I was already stuffed. The minute that I had yep. that, and yep. my, I mean, just, poof, oh Dude, my God. And I, I could have crushed it. I asked the lady to take it away. I, so I was sitting with Doug at that meal. I had, I had a ribeye. We had broccoli beforehand. I had potatoes that came with my, with my steak. And we finished our meals, and I was pretty full. And then Adam's like, oh, I'm not going to eat my fries anymore. So I started eating those, and I knew I was full, but I was eating these fries. And then Doug is like, hey, Sal, do you want the rest of my steak? I took one bite of the steak, and I don't want any of the steak. Yeah, yeah. I wanted the oh. fucking this, this super-engineered yeah, French the, fries. The novelty. That, right. Yeah, you know? So, I mean, I hate this argument because in a perfect world, you know, yeah, you're controlled in a laboratory, and you're just given, you're fed what you're given, right. and that's all you can eat. Doesn't work that doesn't way in really the real world. Account for the psychology behind. Right. It if all. you didn't, because going back to this question, if you would have opted not to eat the potatoes and actually measured out the same amount of calories of the French fries and only sure. ate that, you would be okay cosmetically. Sure. Sure. But the likelihood of you fucking doing that yeah. is so low because of that if exact you're, reason. If you're trying to get lean and you want to make your life miserable, eat a lot of processed foods. Right. I promise yeah. you'll have a fucking tough time eating the, the right amount of calories to lose body fat if it's a lot of processed food. So true. Very, very difficult. Look, we have a lot of free guides. We have like 12 of them. You can find all of them at mindpumpfree.com. Go check them out. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. 
If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support. And until next time, this is Mind Pump. Mind Pump.